Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here once again. Uh, another slightly uncomfortable uh, but really important episode today that we're going to be getting into. And, uh, you know, this is part two, part one. You know, I was talking about restaurants are not a great place to work, and it's my fault. It was very introspective. It was me thinking back on 20 years in the industry, the things that uh, I have failed at as a chef, as a leader, as an owner operator in this industry, and uh, wanted to take some more time to reflect. Today, I wanted to touch a little bit more on the hiring process. So much happening there, so much animosity, so much strife, so much, so much. And everyone knows what I'm talking about. I wanted to unpack that a little bit with you all here today. And I had to do a lot of soul searching on this as well, because it's really easy right now. And right now for this, this episode today, I'm talking to the hiring managers, really, the people in a position to bring people into the business. And understanding I want to talk about some mindset things that I didn't realize were the actual responsibility that I had and I'm recognizing that now. I want to talk about five specific areas of the practical application so that we have some some strong takeaways. I want to talk about wages and benefits, uh, which I talked about a lot about in part one. So definitely go back and check out part one. You'll have a lot more understanding of what I'm speaking on and why I'm speaking in this manner, which if you ever watch the shows, this is very different feel from my usual intensity and energy. I thought it was important to just sit with the pain a little bit because so many people are. So, you know, I want to touch on again, some of the, some of the mindsets, some of the things that we've all gone through and are going through in this moment and trying to understand the why, what, what's actually behind that. And then I want to talk about five elements. Like I said, wages, benefits. I want to talk about, uh, resumes and cover letters. I want to talk about job posts and job descriptions. I want to talk about stages and interviews. And lastly, I want to talk about kind of notice, no call, no show, what's happening in that space right now. Uh, as before with restaurants are not a great place to work and it's my fault. I'm going to have to tell on myself a lot through this uh, because I think it's the only way we have to stop patting ourselves on the back for everything. So many of the things that we've done, uh, amazing things that we've done over the years in this industry, if you look at them, the things that are the biggest downsides of this industry are often different sides of the same coin. We have to reconcile with what we have actually created because look, there's no blaming fucking kids these days. It's not their fault. We built this industry. We made it what it is. And a lot of them are calling bullshit. I'm grateful for kids these days showing me the inequity that I put out there that I was responsible for the accountability that I have for that. And I think the more the time we spend with that, it's going to be important. I want to, I want everyone to understand there, there is not laziness. It's not because of unemployment. 
It's not because of anything except the fact that we've been exposed. This has been brewing for a long, long time. And now it's just the culmination. This is just the result of something that has been building and building and building, and we built it. We didn't want jobs when we started out. We were this band of rebels. And, and I spent the last 20 years turning it into a job, systemizing people versus building systems for people. And there's a difference. So I needed to take some time for that because look, now people are recognizing there's a lot of other places where people who don't want the cubicle, that don't want the nine to five, that don't want the suit and tie can go. And plenty of places they can go and get shit pay and shit treatment and no benefits and get overworked and underappreciated. There are lots of other places that we maybe didn't know were out there. Well, now this thing right here has allowed us to say, wow, there's a lot more that I could do as a job than be in a restaurant because it's all I know because I started when I was a kid. You know, I started when I was 17. So we have to understand that there's lots of other places for kids these days to go. And many of them are a lot better. They just are than jobs and restaurants. And we have to reconcile that and decide, are we gonna do something about it? Or are we gonna continue to point fingers? And it's always going to be leaders that have to step up and do something. And so, you know, as for me, leadership is something that I've always been fascinated with, always felt like I was good at. What I recognize though, is there's plenty of times that I have been and plenty of times where I was a shit leader. And what I see now, every time that I've succeeded is because I recognize as a leader, it was my job to create a safe space to empower people to be their best selves, whatever that meant for them. And every single time that I've failed, it's like it's binary, it's linear, it's ones and zeros. Every time that I've failed, it's because I took people for granted. I thought they were lucky to be here lucky to work for me, lucky to be a part of this award-winning or always in the media restaurant. And the reality is it's bullshit. It is always and will always be the responsibility of leaders to create that space. And we forget that, we lose. And we're seeing that play out at mass scale right now because we think we have the leverage because we gave the job, giving you a job. I have the leverage. You're lucky to be in this situation. So uh, I want us to understand something that I'm barely starting to understand now. What I thought was the hiring process, what I thought I was supposed to do is put so much pressure on people to see if they could hack it. And what I realize now, what we need to realize is this is the first step, the hiring process, to build trust on both sides, that they start to trust you and that you start to trust them. And there's an interesting thing where we talk about trust is earned. They gotta earn it, they gotta earn it, they gotta earn it. And we put ourselves through the ringer to earn it. And I'm recognizing that nobody ever earns trust the way that we think that they do. And so as a leader of a business, more and more I'm recognizing I can't ask people to earn my trust. I have to give them my trust and they may lose parts of that trust, yet we have to actually give people trust because we just, we just pay lip service to that so often in this industry. And we have to really, really recognize that. And it's, it's fucking hard. 
And it's something that I've had to grapple with. And I think a lot of leaders out there are doing. We're playing this leverage game. Who has the leverage? And you see that play out in a lot of different places. We're putting people in these uncomfortable positions to prove that they can handle these uncomfortable positions. Yet what we need to be trying to do is create uplifting positions and shift the narrative so that people don't have to be in fucking uncomfortable positions all day, every day as part of just the norm of doing your job. That is a shitty job. So how we create more opportunities for support and levity in that, that's the actual responsibility. And we got to be thinking about that. There's this strange dynamic that I, I mentioned in, in part one. And again, go check out part one for sure. You'll understand why I'm babbling the way that I am. I, I think it's important for me to do so. So many of us have gone and are going through abuse in this industry. So much of it is self-induced. We don't value ourselves enough. We don't think that we contribute to a business, to an economy, to a society enough. And the reality is we do. If you're the higher manager, if you're an employee, you do. We have to value ourselves before we can put any value into the work, into the product, into the job, into the business. And it's like this, it's like this Stockholm syndrome type scenario because I went through this shit because I was abused and allowed it, perpetuated it, perpetrated it. We start to identify with our oppressors more than those who have been oppressed like ourselves. And so we say, if I went through this, then you have to as well. And nobody wins at that game. In the short term, it might make you tougher. You got to have thick skin. Yeah, you do. No doubt. And creating that opportunity versus making it an obligation forced upon somebody to prove that they can hack it, we see the vulnerability playing out. That is what's actually happening right now. That's being exposed. And we don't like it because we went through it. So I want to like really set that mindset. We have to understand that. I think back now, I'm, I'm, I'm an elder statesman now, so now I think back a lot because thinking back, there's more happening thinking back maybe than what's happening moving forward sometimes. It feels like that. I remember in culinary school, there was a, a big dinner that we did when some French chefs were in town, and I had this hard-nosed instructor, Mr. Paler. And somebody on one of the other teams, there was like six, eight, person kind of teams that was your kitchen crew and then multiple teams who come together to do a dinner and somebody had left uh like a cooler door open or something and a whole bunch of product like a trash can 55 gallon trash can worth of product had gone bad and mr paler put it all in a trash can and made all the students come and stick our arms into this nasty putrid i don't know what was in there it was fucking disgusting and made it stick our arms in it and then put them up in front of our face and smell the results of what we had done. This is in culinary school. This is how we're inspiring and teaching future generations how to be a part of this industry. And we romanticize it. We celebrate it. And we wonder why we're all fucking pissed off and burnt out 
I don't want to do this shit anymore. And they're blaming somebody else because they have the good sense to not do this shit. That's what's playing out right now. That's what we need to grapple with. That's what's so difficult because we're going right here and saying the decisions that we've made, the things that we have gone through maybe didn't make us what we are. At least not the parts of ourselves that we want to celebrate, that we want to put on a pedestal, that we want to communicate to others to say, this is what you are aspiring to. And they're going, why the hell would I want to aspire to that? And that's hard to hear because they're saying that your life's work is shit, that it's not worthwhile, that you're giving into that abuse. And we make so many current decisions to validate past decisions, bad and good. And we have to break that cycle. That's what it's going to take for real leadership in this industry. Not easy. Not easy at all. Necessary. Absolutely. So, oof, I'm like hot. Uh, all right, I want to talk about a couple practical things because it's great to, to lay this big, drop this big hammer on everybody. We have to understand what's going to happen in the day-to-day -day as an opportunity to reflect and then make actual change. Actual change. Wages and benefits is interesting. Again, go watch part one. It'll drop it in the comments so you guys can link right to it. I talk a little bit about my mindset shift around wages and benefits. What I think is important to understand in wages and benefits is back to that leverage point. What I keep seeing is people are like, I'm paying this much, yet they're using it as a weapon against somebody, getting that amount saying, you're not actually worth that. I don't think I should be paying you $18 an hour and I don't think I should be giving you benefits, but I am out of this obligation and necessity because everyone is entitled and spoiled and lazy these days. So I guess that's what I have to do. And so already in paying more, we're diminishing the value of the people and the worth that they have to potentially do that job. And we wonder why people don't want any part of that. I'm paying a lot more. <laughs> yes, you're paying a lot more. You're doing it in the most passive aggressive possible way. And you wonder why it's getting exposed. It just is. So really, really understand that this isn't a buyers and sellers real estate market. It's not about who has the leverage. It's about building something and understanding the actual need, not thinking back to what we did when we were, you know, eating top ramen and barely could afford to put an egg on and all these different things. That was our reality. We have to build a different reality. So I want to like really, really make sure we understand the number one thing that I tell people on wages specifically is check out the living wage calculator. I think I'll drop that in the comments too. living wage calculator within your market. You need to understand what it actually takes to live within your market because people that feed their community are some of the most food insecure and closest to the poverty line of people across uh, industry segments across our country. There's something fundamentally wrong there when we think that that's okay, that we keep romanticizing the fact that, yeah, I remember getting paid $6 an hour and getting beat up all day, every day on the job. And I lived with in a basement with a 
with a mattress on the ground with four other guys. That sucked. There's nothing that I wish on another person about that life. And because I didn't know any better, because I was 17 years old, I romanticized the fact that that's what you got to do to work hard. And the, <laughs> and the reality is I did that and it put me on a trajectory and I succeeded in lots of ways and I burnt out, couldn't do it anymore. And that's what we see continuously playing out. So living wage calculator, wages, benefits, got to understand the need for physical, mental, uh, emotional security, financial security. So number two, resumes, cover letters, this shit is crazy. And I was so bad about this. We have spent a lot of time telling people resume has to be one page. Resume can't have this. It has to have this. It only says this. you got to do this. And we wonder why everyone's resume is exactly the same. It says nothing. And I did a lot of that. I, fuck, I would spend so much time patting myself on the back of how fucking clever I was to throw as many resumes in the trash as possible based on some standards and expectations that I thought would somehow create this magic of only the best people getting an interview with me. Because once again, I thought I was so smart and I had the leverage. You know what I spent no time doing in that part of the process? It's trying to understand the person who's put some part of their selves, themselves on the page, trying to communicate what we've told them we want them to communicate to try and show that they have a desire and a worth that would allow the opportunity for them to come work with us. And I did not understand that. And then cover letters. Well, cover letter, I want them to have a cover letter, but I don't want it to be too long. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to read all this. We have as much time for the things that we value. And we continuously show that we don't value the people that would potentially work with us. And we wonder why people aren't working with us. I can tell you exactly why. We respect effort and hard work. So potentially do people that are coming to work for us. And if we continuously show that we're not putting in the effort, this is what we get. So like, I really want to understand that. I, <laughs> there's so many like, there's so many parts of that process with understanding the resume that you will see a lot more from me from best served on it's it does not work and people will tell me well the resume is not actually that important it's all about the interview well the interview is not that important people get interview really good it's about the stage well all those things maybe aren't as important we got to see and, and put them on a lower wage for a probationary period for so they can prove it and none of those things are true and maybe a so a handful of times those things have all played out to be true. And then we use that to rationalize that being our system. Job post, job description, same thing. How copy and paste, how little effort can we put into this process? The job post, I was guilty, absolutely guilty. Early adopter of the empty bullshit words that mean nothing. But they were buzzworthy. Things like, want to work at a high volume, progressive, upscale neighborhood, chef driven concept. 
And then on Craigslist, when that was one of our, our few digital landscapes that we could post, we would like not put the name of the restaurant. Like we were trying to always like manipulate somehow. And it's like, what does that mean? The high volume, cool, you're always understaffed and way too busy and the stations are super heavy and, and I'm going to have unreasonable expectations. Got it. Uh, progressive, chef-driven, uh, fine dining. Like, what does that mean? It's, it's monolithic. It doesn't tell you anything about the type of experience that an internal, external guests would have. But I thought it sounded right. It's what the marketing department said you were supposed to do. We have to start to use real words. We have to start to think about the impact of the words that we use. We have to start to say things that mean something because we're setting a precedent that it's all just a bunch of bullshit. It's all just a facade. Like we're never willing and able to say the real thing that's happening. We're never able and willing to say the real thing that you're going to be doing, working on, going through. And then we make up excuses like, I'm too busy. And then you're going to get what you got. Well, a lot of people don't even read those, so I don't put a lot of time and effort into them. Well, the people that do, that do care, they're skipping right over those. So we're perpetuating the same cycle once again. We need to break the cycle. Uh, stages, interviews, another strange thing. We need to stop with the all-day, multi-day. We have to see if they're a good fit. We just need to stop with that. You don't have this magic formula. We just don't. I thought I did. I typically would get a sense of somebody in 15 minutes. And somehow I thought that they had to spend six hours with us to once again see if they could hack it. And it's just, we're not understanding that people, yeah, they want the job. Somebody else wants it more. We think that because somebody spent six hours and somebody else only wants to spend two hours with us that they want it more. We are saying that the only input of value is our time. We're saying that somebody else has to work longer, allow for more abuse than somebody else to prove, to really prove that they want this job that pays them uh, barely or under a living wage. We want people to prove that they're willing to take more abuse than somebody else to take a job that has been stripped of meaning because we're just copy and pasting. We're phoning it in. We're blaming kids these days. And we wonder why on a stage they don't have the motivation to, to go out there and prove to us that they're willing to take this job. I didn't understand that. I thought I was supposed to put them under that pressure because somehow under that pressure, they would be revealed. And the reality is the only thing that it did, it continues to reveal us. And we were like, I'm, I'm over that. Like we have to understand the position we're putting ourselves our business, our industry, and the individuals that are willing and able to give us any moment of their time. And then we wonder why so many people aren't giving us a moment of their time. 
It's because we're perpetuating the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. And then blaming those that are calling bullshit. We should be thanking them and saying, how can we do better? How can we shift? How can we actually evolve? How can we just not just put, I like to say, a different colored lipstick on the same pig? We have to change. Notice, this is another fascinating one. The no-call, no-show is something that it, there's so much strife and animosity. And, of course, I thought it was the fault of the person that no-call, no-showed. And in moments, I'm sure it is. Yet we built this systemic spiral that has created this. And I know that I have done this. I definitely tried to allow people to give two weeks notice and give them that. Yet how often did that happen? And I was personally offended. You're gonna fucking, you're gonna fucking quit? No, I fired you. That, that is something that we see play out again and again and again. And I know that I tried to not be that guy. And I fucking know that there were moments that I was overcome by my own bullshit, by my own ego, by my own greed, whatever it was. And I perpetuated that. And so many of us have. And we make up these excuses. Well, they have short timer syndrome. You know what actually happens? We, as, as the, the manager, the leader, the owner, we have short timer syndrome with them. You feel it all the time. They start to get the cold shoulder. They start to feel other. It is uncomfortable for them because we are already putting in them in a position of the expectation that they're going to shit on us. So we're going to shit on them first. And it plays out again and again. And we've seen it even happen where somebody gets fired on the spot. They put in notice, which is what we've asked, which is what a professional does. And they get let go on the spot. Well, because people who put a notice typically steal more. They typically call in more. They typically blah, blah, blah. And the reality of it is we're thinking so transactional of that one person, that one interaction, yet every other employee that you have sees that go down. Do you think in their head they know that they are a good employee and that was a crap employee? that if they gave notice you would definitely allow them to work it out out there two weeks because they have integrity they're a great worker they're not thinking that it's not worth the risk why would i risk getting put in that uncomfortable position why would i risk giving a proper notice before i start my new job then get fired from that job and then my other job doesn't start for two or three more weeks and then now i'm out of paycheck who's willing to risk that we have to understand that we are putting that, that onus on them when the responsibility needs to be on us. I did not understand that well enough. I did not understand the impact that it was having on the other people, right? The other people that weren't that person. And more and more and more now, the no-call, no-show is an industry norm. And of course, we're blaming it on kids these days or somebody who's lazy. And the reality is it's a byproduct of the way that we have treated people and something like giving notice. So huh, this gets, the stuff gets me heated because I have to be one remorseful. And I've spent a lot of time over the last months, like really beating myself up about it. 
and reading a lot of like you guys like I don't know five four or five thousand comments about the hiring process across social media over the last five months from questions that I asked because like I needed to understand really understand the people and what I just kept seeing was pattern after pattern after pattern and then seeing myself playing a role in some way in every part of that. And if you've been in this industry long enough, unfortunately, you have also played a part in that. I hope a lesser part. I hope that so many of us have put more good out there than negative. I believe that for myself, yet I can't justify all the good things I did without actually owning the negative things that I did. Because in that interaction with myself, with all of you right now, with anybody who's willing to commit themselves to this industry, that's the only opportunity that we have to move forward. That's it. I could keep babbling on. I don't know what else to say. Restaurants are not a great place to work and it's my fault and it could be your fault. And once we take the time to reflect on that, then we can actually do something about it. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm committed to. Because I said, as I said in part one, you've heard me say before, downstairs I have two young boys who look up to me, who could be the sixth consecutive generation of chef, restaurateur, hospitality professional in my family. And I had to take a big, long, hard look at myself, at the work that I've done, at the good and bad that I've put into this industry, and what it has the potential to be in the future. And my answer, thinking of if I wanted them to be the sixth generation was fuck no, not a chance. And I had two choices. I could either walk away and I tried, or I need to triple down on what is actually important. The stories we tell, the people who affect us, why and who before what and how. Creating workplaces worth working. These are the things that you can count on me for. These are the things I'm going to continue to work to try to bring to the forefront. It's not easy. It's uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable right now. It's necessary. We have to do it. That's it. I appreciate you all. So grateful that you spent a moment with me. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.